welcome to Pod on the Dog, episode 15. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Instinct. Did you know that the meat in Natural Instinct is all British from British farmers who deserve our support? They only use the freshest fruit and vegetables in their food to create a super healthy diet for your dog as nature intended. You are what you eat right, and this applies to our dogs too. So head over to their website and enter discount code Verity15 at the checkout to receive 15% off. Now, I'm your host, Verity Hardcastle, and you can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdom. Now, on to my guest. I first met this handsome Swede about five years ago when I attended one of his grooming and show handling workshop weekends. Residing in Spain dog father of Avatar, and no, not the blue people from the film, this man really cuts the mustard when it comes to poodle styling and handling. When he's not tending to his beautiful garden, pruning his wisteria, he can be found pruning his poodle's hair. A true inspiration (laughs) is Anders Russell. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anders. It's really nice to chat to you face-to-face after so long. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm not sure I can take any credit for the garden, though, or any pruning in the garden, because my my partner is actually in charge of that um, department. I'm very good at having having an opinion, but my (laughs) fingers are anything but green. (laughs) <laughs> my uh, my mum's got a beautiful wisteria over the front of her house as well and uh, yeah. obviously as you know they, it grows like wildfire doesn't it sometimes the years it grows oh. up into the eaves of the house and everything so she once asked because the house is quite tall she asked my husband to do it and he went so crazy with the secateurs that it didn't actually flower for two years <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so he, funny, he's yeah. also banned from any gardening as well <laughs> oh yeah no i'm bloody hopeless i am really hopeless when it comes to that i am more into looking at colors and compositions and and stuff like that and um now steven does most of the gardening and and he's incredible uh, so you have the creative mind and he has the shovel <laughs> well he's he's pretty creative too but sometimes i say no 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 wrong colors wrong colors now can we do it this way instead mm-hmm. and and that then of course we uh we get into some sort of domestic because he has strong <laughs> ideas just as me <laughs> oh that's yeah when two people clash over you know interior or exterior design that's you know that's tricky <laughs> yeah 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 but we we normally get along very well though and uh, but it's it's a huge interest of his and he's he he spends hours and hours in the garden well, it's really therapeutic, to be honest. My mum always said that I would be a gardener because I'm from what would she would say was be a long line of gardeners. Like my oh. great-grandma was a keen gardener, wow. my grandma is, and my mum also is known for her garden. And uh, and I think that, yeah, definitely over the last sort of five years, I've started to be a lot more interested in what my garden looks like. And and it is quite therapeutic spending time out there with your dogs, yeah. you know, in the yeah. sunshine, yeah. you know. Yeah, looking after and, the garden. Well, of course, and, and remember, Stephen is Australian, and he was very limited while we were living in in Sweden because of the uh, the climate and the weather, mm. and and uh, he's certainly uh, taking advantage of the climate now. I mean, it, it grows like wildfire here. Yeah. So, my first question to you, Anders, I really want to yeah. know how it all started. So, who was your first dog, <laughs> and how did that journey go from that first dog to take you into the show ring? Well, you know, I've, I've always been an animal-loving child, and uh, I was, of course, 
liking dogs very early on, but my father was severely asthmatic and uh, we couldn't really have a dog. At least mm-hmm. that's what we thought. My mother, my mother was also a, a, an animal loving uh, person and <clears throat> uh, my grandmother as well. And, and poodles have always been in my, in my life. Uh, my, my grandmother had a, had a fantastic silver miniature. So, uh, um, Poodles have always been in my in my life, but I started to work as a as a as a very young teenager for a kennel outside the town where I used to live <clears throat> that bred American cockets, and they also had German shorthaired pointers and flat coated red breeders. So I I really fell in love with the American cockers and. My mother and I, I think my mother loved my, my father dearly. I know she did. But we decided to smuggle an American cocker into the, to the, the family and just see if my father actually could cope with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he did. He did. So this, this American cocker became a, a really beloved uh, family member. And um, I never showed her. Uh, she was not really... A, a good show example of the breed, but I finished her as an obedience trial champion. She was one of the first American cockers to finish the obedience trial championship in Sweden. Oh, wow. mm. So that's how it started with with the the uh, my first dog. The first dog that I actually showed though mm-hmm. was a was a Sussex Spaniel in the nineteen seventy five or something like that oh wow you don't Not see a, many of those around you know no 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 i mean it's it's a it's a small breed it was a small breed back then as well but mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this sussex spaniel actually won she went best bitch and she went best of opposite and i was in heaven and yeah. um it got, you yeah, got the bug <laughs> oh totally totally i was totally bitten <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I wanted a dog for ages and my dad was also allergic to dogs. You know, we actually started with a cat. We got a cat and my dad, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he sneezed and coughed for a few weeks and then he was fine. (laughs) You know, so I think they say that if you gradually get people used to it, then, you know, then they they can be fine. Right. Oh, well, of course. And, you know, my, my father, my father was really against having any animals because of his asthma. But yeah. This this dog and him became the best of friends. Yeah. So it it was she was really a fantastic uh, contribution to the entire family. Yeah, they are, aren't they? That's amazing as yes. well. Like it's it's yes. very similar to my dad. My dad was just like, oh no, you know. Obviously, loved we've all grown up, loved dogs and everything, but they're very much like working dogs. Yeah. And then when they start, you know, creeping into the house, then creeping onto your lap, it just totally changed. <laughs> like, oh, totally. Totally, and he, totally. And he has animals, obviously, out of choice, uh, completely yeah. out of choice now. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my, my father was used to an animal. He grew up on a farm. My grandfather was a horse breeder. So he was, of course, used to animals. But his his asthma was so severe, he even had to move away from home. So, uh, wow. He, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, that's the start of that. Yeah, your mum, your mum, and, and yourself took the risk. <laughs> we did. We certainly did, and it worked out. 
Now, I've done a lot of research into poodles over the years, just for my own interest. And also when I've mm. been competing, completing my exams um, mm. to become on the Guild of Master Groomers and things like that. Now, looking mm. at archive photos from not just over 50 years ago, but also, you know, in the last 20 years, you can see clearly how trimming styles and standards have changed, that they've evolved, mm. especially in the UK, you know, more so than maybe Scandinavia. Mm. You must have seen a change too. So what do you predict will be the next move and where do you look to for your inspiration and like, how do you keep up to the minute with everything? Oh, that's, that's a very good question. And, and um, it's becoming harder and harder to find inspiration. Um, As a breeder, I see myself first and foremost as a breeder, a breeder who wants to be competitive when it comes to presenting my dogs as well. And mm. uh, of course I see some, some lovely groomed dogs here and there since I travel so much. And, uh, but it's getting harder and harder. And, and when, I, when I first started out in the 70s, there were some, some fantastic groomers in, in Scandinavia that yeah. really inspired me. And they were so ahead of times. And uh, when when I look look back at some of the photos uh, uh, from their their, their uh, dogs, they would look fantastic even today. And, yeah, uh, yeah, this is it. And then I, when you look at the UK trimming of, of a similar era, it was so different, wasn't it? Totally different. Really and heavy it, and droopy. Oh, they <laughs> were, yeah, they were dripping in coats. There were coats in the wrong places. The coats were not sitting on top of the dog. It was sitting underneath them. And yeah. uh, th- things have certainly changed in your country, that is for sure. And I think that maybe the UK is the, the country in the world where it has changed the most. Yeah, I, I think so. Because obviously when I've been doing my research, a lot of them are, UK archived show photos as well and mm. think, oh gosh the, mm. the transition is is incredible but when I've spoken to Fiona Bruce over the years she's always right. said to me look at the Scandinavian uh mm. they were they were like you know the forefront runners on like you know making them look elegant and stylish before you know we were so far behind the times yes you were I, I have to to say that you were and 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 but we must also remember that we had some extremely artistic trendsetters and they were, of course, heavily criticised for modernising making the dogs look, in some cases, way too extreme. Mm. And uh, uh, to find that the, the balance is, is um, of course, important, but they were certainly trendsetters and... and uh, I find a lot of my inspiration these days in the US. Mm. Well, I shouldn't say these days. I probably have the last 30 years since I, I, I have been a breeder of, of standards and presenting my standards in, in, in the continental clip. But now when I'm more into the, the mediums or the miniatures, as you would call them, mm. it's more limited if you see what I mean because I am becoming a veteran in this game and... and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to it's hard to find inspiration it's hard to find the, the yeah, trend where, where can the trim go now what i mean yeah where can they go where can they go and and uh, i don't know what's going to happen i i unfortunately see 
I can only hope that groomers invest more in knowledge about the breed, knowledge about structure and movement, because since I hold a lot of seminars all over the world and, and a lot of them in, in, in Europe, I also see that people are so focused on the trim, on the grooming without understanding the machinery underneath. Yeah, how it looks on the move as well is so different of to course, how it stands on the table. It's, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to groom a dog standing still, but the groom must function when the dog starts to move. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who knows? I, I also see a rather backward trend in many countries where they, you can't shave the whiskers in some countries. Oh. You can't, yeah, you can't use rubber bands. You are not allowed to prepare the dog uh, by the ring. It's so many ridiculous things going on, which, which I hope which I honestly hope is just a trend yeah. and where, where we will go back to um, promote our coated breeds so people can take care of them. That's how it all started for me back in the 70s mm-hmm. where groomers were working so hard for people, for pet people, to actually care about their dogs, to come into the grooming shops more often, to get mm-hmm. them bathed and, and stuff like that. So... Uh, I, I certainly hope that we will move on in, in, in a positive direction where, where um, groomers are more involved into the pet, pet uh, world, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I think that waves are happening in that direction. I certainly, in my hometown, I don't see as many neglected coats walking around. I feel that which people is great, are definitely which is more great. aware. Yeah, absolutely. And I would have to say, uh, apart from the show world or the show aspect of of, of dogs and poodles, um, I think that the grooming industry has totally bloomed uh, all over the world. To be honest with you, I, I I see so much happening there, and which is great. Yeah, I know. When I first said to um, quite a well known Doberman handler that um, mm. that I'm pally with that I wanted to be a groomer. I remember yeah. her being like, oh, well, I mean, it might earn you, a, you know, some pocket money. You might be able to do it as a <laughs> sideline. Yeah, right. You know, like really old school. And yeah. I was thinking, oh, gosh, like I can't, I can't do this as a career. And I'm like, no. are you kidding? Like I bought a house out of dog hair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, of course you can. You, Of course you can. And I think that. If you are a business-minded groomer, of course you can make money. I mean, it, it's, it's the same thing for pretty much any field. You just need to have a business mind together. You can't be a graphic designer without be having a, a business mind, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It's the same thing for a groomer. And, and I think that there's a lot to, to be taught to groomers when it comes to that. But... <clears throat> I think and also we need happened. to be marketing experts, I feel, because it's all totally. about in this industry, not just in the grooming salon, but also what you do, show handling, everything. We are just marketing experts. <laughs> of, yes, yes. You, you, have to, you have to master so many other things uh, other than just grooming, if you see what I mean. Mm, mm, yeah. And obviously you must have seen the standards of presentation have increased so much as well, like... I have, I have. 
I've seen that obviously people are just, especially in the grooming competition ring, I've noticed the standards have increased so much in the last 10 years. Oh, so yes. hopefully I think that this correlates into the ring as well. And then when you see some of the, you know, like you say, the American exhibitors and everything hand, uh, showing and obviously exhibiting their dogs, it's like, wow, you know, flawless, beautiful. Yes. And and remember, remember, Verity, I, I judged my, my first grooming competition about 25 years ago. And oh, well, yeah. I, I believe that was one of the very first grooming competitions ever held in, in Central Europe. Wow. What was it called? Uh, that was actually the Oster Tournament, and it uh-huh. was hosted by the late uh, phenomenal Shirley Calstone. Wow. God. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, she, of course, invited uh, people from, from all over the place. She actually, she actually phoned me and uh, wanted me to compete because she had seen photos of my dogs, and I said, no, I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I can't do that. And back then, there was a four-month quarantine <laughs> to, uh, for my dogs to get out of the country, and I, I didn't want to put my dogs through that to get them back. And, of course, I didn't want to compete with anyone else's dogs. I wanted to compete with my own, so I declined. Yeah. And the day after, she called me and said, would you like to judge instead? And I said, yeah, I would love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's how it started for me but, but was it was it well you know was it well attended was what was oh, it yes. like oh yeah. yes yes absolutely for being one of the first i mean we even had uh, russian groomers coming to this event which was wow a rare, very rare that we would even see russian dogs at the shows mm. now yeah. it's very common to see russian the russians are everywhere and they do a phenomenal job but uh, they definitely, I feel like when I've been uh, at Crufts, they definitely stand out. I mean, not just the presentation of the dogs, but also their presentation. Oh, my gosh, they are, like, matching. <laughs> and, the and, and, the, Russian, the yeah. Russians are doing a, f- a phenomenal job, and, and, mm-hmm. and they, are, they are trained in a very artistic way. And, and yes, there are so many good uh, Russian they, make, they definitely make me look like a complete amateur. <laughs> 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 no, they're very competitive. They're very competitive. Yeah. They, they do a, they do a good job, excellent yeah. job. Now you're obviously an inspirational handler, and I've had the honour of attending one of your handling seminars. So, what makes yep. for you what makes a really good handler? Uh, <clears throat> a really good handler to me is uh, a person who has. Uh, do you say rapport with the dogs? That yeah. is able to communicate with the dog, that there mm-hmm. is a connection between the two and where the handler is actually making um, the dog visible. The handler should be sort of invisible, if that is, is, is yeah. making any sense. But yeah. a good handler makes the dog stand out, makes yeah. the dog visible, not vice versa. And... Um, and um, you can also see that the handler is pressing the right buttons. The dog loved to please the handler. And yeah. um, when and if you see that, you know what handling is about. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. I, I, I know when I first tried to take a dope around the ring, 
um, one of the ladies said to me, Rosie, stop flapping your arm about. All I can see is your arm. I'm not even <laughs> yes. looking at the dog because of right, your arm. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I run? I don't know how to run. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 uh, it's also, again, about being artistic and listening to the dog and, and, and um, paying attention to make the dog look its best. Yeah. And, and it may look easy, but it isn't. Some dogs are born a certain way and they have a natural ability to perform. Mm-hmm. And those dogs in general make the handler look fantastic, believe me. While the tough ones, those who need a little bit more training, those are the difficult ones. And um, Yeah. And especially uh, with miniatures. I mean, I don't know if you find this, they can be, they can either really love it and be really confident or they can need so much coaxing and encouragement and just to make it look like, come on, like, let's do this together. Like, I do find that, you know, for showing a miniature, I do find that sometimes they can, you know, like you're saying, like they can make it look effortless or, you know, I, I'm yes. thinking of my my bitch Alice and she yeah. was just, you know, I'm like, come on, I'd have to take her in the ring before, show her around. So she was aware of the environment, you know, and she was, yeah, she was very aware, shall we say. Absolutely. And, you know, the poodles are probably a rather easy breed to handle compared to so many others have you ever tried to handle an afghan verity oh well no but i i know they have a mind of their own so i can imagine (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a completely different thing to Mm -hmm. to handle an afghan compared to a poodle because a poodle wants to communicate even though you have those who are stubborn and want to do things their way Mm. the afghans couldn't really care, care less. They look very glamorous, but you you just have to press different buttons. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because they're they're wired up completely differently to a poodle. Completely, completely yeah. different. I mean, I handled Doberman. So uh, my my first show dog was actually a Doberman, mm-hmm. and uh, but she was so food motivated. And obviously, you bait Dobies a lot. So her fixation was constantly the food and I'd have like plasters on my hands where she'd be like, at the food. (laughs) Yeah, 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 right. You know, and so that was just like a, (laughs) God, it was like a workout. Yes. Again, so different to, you know, my my funny little dogs. I normally go to the Westminster Clips um, to look at the Doberman's (laughs) because the handling is amazing. Mm. Sorry, my dogs are barking. Oh, Someone it's okay. Is coming, so yeah. Been, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I mean, uh, each breed is is different from the other. But but um, poodles in general are quite easy, and and you know they love to be praised. They are so vain. They yeah. they love the applause. They love the attention, and and they they really need to to hear how beautiful they look. Yes. Uh, the Afghans couldn't care less if you tell them or not, as long as you have some, if, as long as you have some bait in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> totally, like I don't need any food to show my poodles, but yeah, so they're a totally yeah. different kettle of fish. They just look at me exactly. like, "Mummy, am I doing a good job?" Yes, yes, yes. They need confirmation the whole time. 
Yeah. <laughs> so maintenance, obviously, of these beautiful coats, it's a labor of love. I know you have to be on it every single week, but tell me, mm. the listeners, what's your secrets? I want to know your secrets <laughs> to growing that length. The area, well, especially that I struggle on, is the hocks, the back of the legs. Yeah, hocks are can be difficult, and that's normally where. Uh, you lose the hair very quickly, especially if you take them for walks in the forests and stuff mm. like that. And and you really have to to maintain that. Uh, the, the secret, I think, uh, is that you must change according to each and every dog because they all have different coat qualities and and textures and stuff like that. Yeah. We are fan- we are fanatical about the, the, the maintenance baths and um, we always keep the, the, the coats very hydrated mm. so that they are, are growing and we do not brush our dogs in between baths. Yeah. We, would, we would rather bath them um, more regularly than, than put a brush through them. And our dogs are also kept in, in, in a mix of... Um, a treatment or a conditioner mixed with a very light baby bath oil mm-hmm. uh, and so that the moist stay in the coat and protect the coat yeah. and keep keep it from matting. Normally when, when your dog is matting, it's because the coats are too dry. Yeah. There's and too much there's too much friction in the coat. Yeah, because obviously then it's prone to breaking, which um, yes. And also, yes. because I've got a house full of bitches, it's like, you know, pee competitions outside, you know? So they're always sure. piddling, and obviously that mm-hmm. piddle on their hot hair is going to yes. damage when it. it com- when it comes to the hot hair, I, I, I always did this with my dogs, walking them in the forest in, in Sweden. Mm. I, used, I used a spray oil or like a mink oil or a different type of oil that stayed in the coat for a longer period of time. So it mm. protected the, the hawks. Um, yeah. uh, you cannot use a conditioner or um, a treatment. It has to be an oil that actually protects the hair when you walk them so they mm. don't get too saturated and wear sticks yeah. and, and, and stuff like that. Well, this is it. I live in North Yorkshire, so I'm constantly pulling twigs out of my dog's hair. Sure, twigs. Like, yeah, twigs. absolutely. Yeah. Of course. And, and you know, I was fanatical with, with our dogs because they were walked weather. I mean, the weather in Sweden is not great. It was mostly raining. And, uh, which <laughs> I <feel meant> that <laughs> they Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, and the, the, they always, after I walked them, I took them out into the grooming room and I put them on the table. I quickly blasted. Though I never let them dry by themselves. I blasted them and then I put more oil just to protect the, 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 the coat or to mm-hmm. re-moisturize uh, the, the coats in order to, to avoid um, any damage. Uh, yeah. Because, because if you want to be competitive with your show dogs, uh, they must be in condition. They must be it in fabulous true. condition. <laughs> it is hard work. It's true. And if you look at the top winners, their dogs are always immaculate with beautiful yes. hair. So. Yes. And, and my dogs my dogs live like family dogs, which means that I take them for walks. They are not crated. They are not kenneled. They live like regular dogs, which means that I have to work harder. Yes. 
but they're happier. So yes, 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 yes. I this is how I prefer to have my dogs. It's it's um, they're part of my lifestyle, so uh, I, I have to be happy. I, I um, that's just the way I am. Yeah, no, I totally understand. And my dogs are part of my family as well. They're my oh, yes. extended extended children. Now, on exactly. to your trimming now. It's obviously mm-hmm. outstanding. So what's your process and routine after you've done that? You know, not your maintenance bath, but, you know, you've got all that product out mm-hmm. and you need to style them. Do you start? I mean, I tend to start around the tail and put the, the back legs in first. That tends mm-hmm. to be my starting point. What about mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Well, my routine is is probably a bit different. Um, you know, I, I one of my my biggest or most important tools uh, are my eyes. I study my dogs a lot. I study them. I try to figure them out. How am I supposed to groom you? How am I supposed to enhance you? Where are your flaws? Where mm. are your strengths? Mm. And that's how I I begin. It's like a a process process of analyzing the dog and 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 not only that verity since i breed my own dogs i i can i can do something about it in on a very early yeah. stage if you see what i mean i have a preference for mm-hmm. what i want to breed what, what type of dog i want to breed but uh, when it comes to the, the the grooming i um i always start to groom the front i do not uh-huh. start with the rear okay i want I start to, to place the, the, the front legs in under the dog. I want to see that the dog is standing over its front mm-hmm. and that the, the front legs are actually sitting under the dog. Yeah, that's, uh, a really always, good, that's a really good tip because you can move those back legs, can't you? Yes, you can. And the, the front legs also affect the negative space under the dog. The negative space un, under the dog must look square because the poodle should be square. Yeah. And so, so if the front legs are sitting too far out, you will have a more rectangular shape underneath the dog, probably, depending on what the dog looks like, of course. But you can do so much with hair, um, uh, manipulating areas of the dog to make it look the shape you want, to have mm-hmm. the balance you want. Some dogs are heavier, some dogs are lighter, and it's your task as, as, as a groomer to make the balance look perfect. And the hair is, of course, your tool. But um, I normally divide my work with the dogs. I always cut a shape into the dog before it goes into the bathtub. Oh, okay. I want to see the shape in place. I don't brush the dog or, or anything. Mm, and, I mean, mm. since they are bath once with the show dogs, yeah, uh, it takes very little scissoring to get the lines in place. And and um, But I want to see the shape in place before I put the dog into the bathtub. I bath mm. the dog and I dry the dog and... and and I stay on top of the lines each week. I never let the, the, them grow out of the lines. The lines must be in place while yeah. these dogs are being campaigned or showed. And that must make it so much easier tweaking rather than having like a big hairy monster. Absolutely. And you can work on the tweaking because things change. Dogs change. Their condition change. Their muscle tone change. Their weight change. The bitches go through hormonal stages 
And that's why you need to look at your dog. What does your dog look like now? Yeah. What do I need to do? And especially if you have a young dog growing, Mm -hmm. that's a bit of a challenge because you have to change the whole time. Yeah, and they might be lacking in substance, you know, when the teenagers, you know. Of course. Totally. To create that lovely you know, yes. spring of rib and everything, don't you? Yes, you do. And not only that, I mean, it's more visible in, in, a, in a large breed like a standard compared to yeah. <clears throat> the smaller ones. And mm-hmm. a standard poodle is a much bigger canvas, which means that you can do so much more or you have to do so much more to make the dog look good. And you can also mess up so much more, maybe. <laughs> you can certainly totally mess up um, any size of a poodle. I mean, you can... You can mess them up completely. Some people, some people have said to me that they find standard poodles a lot easier than the smaller breeds, whereas I, I don't know. I No, no, no. I, I, I am of the opposite opinion. The, the standards, the standards you, you do have a, a bigger canvas, but, you know, you should see me being confronted with a toy. I get all sweaty. <laughs> I find that a challenge. I mean, you, you, um, yeah. The bigger, ca- the bigger canvas allows you to make more mistakes. If you see what I mean, because it's easier to correct it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do too much on a toy, that's uh, it. Yeah, yeah. You're waiting. Yep. You're waiting a few months to yep. correct that mistake, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it's it's probably it's probably what you are used to, and and I mean, I, I uh, as a standard poodle breeder. Uh, uh, I probably do a standard poodle quicker than I do a toy, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, so mm. I, I, I've always liked grooming the little dogs. Like, the, mm-hmm. the, even the tiny little, like, Yorkies and things like that, I don't know. Yeah. I really like yeah. grooming the tiny, tiny little dogs. I really love yes. them. Everybody's different. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, we were talking about, obviously, looking at the dog's conformation and shape and then, obviously, tailoring the haircut to the dog. And, you know, that's why it's a really good to have your show dog in your house because you can watch that dog when you're having a cup of tea and all the time can't you watch Mm, it moving mm, around mm. but a really good time to do it is when they're wet in the bath do you do that as well like when they're wet then you can see everything properly can't you well of course I mean a a wet dog uh, is of course um, uh, revealing all the the good and the bad and uh, unfortunately my dogs are not perfect either right they have to be worked on as well for me to enhance them, for me to be happy with them. And, and and that is something I work with as a breeder, improving them generation after generation. And, and um, I'm probably a bit lazy, to be honest with you, because the less I have to put a shape into a dog, the better I feel. The better the dog is, the less grooming it requires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, um, I, tr- I, tr- I always, as a breeder, I try to improve the dog's anatomy and structure and without losing the, the, the good points because they are vital for you as, as a groomer as well. Yeah. And I, I wish that people understood these, these things. Your grooming will become so much better if you invest in the quality of the dog's. I definitely feel it's so much easier with a yes. decent canvas, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's so much easier. So much and easier. Uh, 
Yeah, and I, I, I see this both in the show world as well as in in the the, the competitive grooming world, mm-hmm. where um, if people have just understood, yes, it is about grooming, but if you want to compete and perform yeah. a show trim on on a, on a poodle, you better have the right dog to do it with. Yeah, but saying that, you know, Anders, um, Philip Langdon gave me first at a, a championship level at a grooming competition with my crappy, old, she's old now, bless her, uh, mini mm-hmm. poodle. She's got no neck. She was never show quality. She has, um, she's a bit high over her, over her rump. And um, so she kind of slopes <laughs> down quite quite You're a lot, right. you know, you know. Right, right, and she right, kind right. of like slinks into her shoulders and turns out her elbows because she's just lazy. <laughs> yeah. And I managed, I said to when they come around to do the pre-table judging, I said, right, these are all her faults. I listed all her faults. I was like, her front's a little bit easty west, blah, blah, blah. She's got zero neck, but I am mm. gonna make her look like the best version of her you could possibly see. Absolutely. Absolutely, and, and I think I got placed first with that dog. Not just not because of her being obviously a beautiful show specimen, which she isn't, but because of what I'd managed to achieve with my crappy canvas. If you know totally, what I mean, totally, totally. Of course, I. Which maybe that's what, what grooming competitions are about as well. Like, I do totally understand. Like now, I compete with you know you've, you've met my olive, and you know she's a she's a lovely dog, and it does make Absolutely. my life a lot easier. Absolutely, but you see, I, I, I view view it two ways. Pet grooming is one thing; mm-hmm. show grooming is another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those exactly. are two. Those are two different things. And mm-hmm. if you, as a groomer, aspire to do a, a, a show groom, you better know what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you better know uh, because you're charging your client for for if to do a show groom, you better know what you are doing. You better know what trim it is that you're doing. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. Of pet grooming is also extremely important that you enhance a pet, just not sh- uh, shave it down. <laughs> you enhance the dog. That dog should look its best when it leaves your grooming salon. Yeah, like just with a bit of, you know, jiggery-pokery, we can make a dog with, you know, quite a poor front, you know, just make its legs look straight. You know, simple that is, tricks that we bring in every oh, day. Of course, that's marketing, my dear. <laughs> like I made your dog look so good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and I think that the owners can see that. The owners of the dog can see that, if, if uh, especially if they've been to different groomers, they can see the difference in the dog. And, and even though they may not have a trained eye, mm. but um, I, I, I honestly think that m- most owners can see the difference. Yeah. You're such a busy man, Anders, so mm. you've got so much going on. Now, obviously, now we're starting <laughs> to be able to travel and maybe the world's getting back to normal. <laughs> What's mm. on the horizon for you? Tell me what your future plans are. Well, I have to tell you, the pandemic was pre- probably very good for me because my yeah. life has never been so quiet. So relaxing. Uh, yes, yeah, so relaxing. I, I've, thankfully, I've, I've had work all through the pandemic uh, with my regular work as a graphic designer, but... Um, so many of my seminars have, of course, been cancelled all over the world and uh, for, for natural reasons. So uh, 
I'm trying now to to catch up and um, trying to to um, deal with all the postponed seminars. Mm. I am looking forward to our next litter of puppies. I intend to keep a new dog in the house. If oh, we, great. Uh, we, we, yeah, so that that's um, that's what I'm really looking forward to, and mm-hmm. uh, and the traveling. Of course, there are so many postponed and cancelled dog shows that we uh, we will be going to, and um, we will be busy. Yeah, you 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 sound like you're going to be really busy. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and boasting time, obviously, I ask everybody this: What's your proudest moments? You've got obviously very long and successful. Not you're not that old, so not too long. Let's not get carried away. But a very long <laughs> and successful grooming career. I feel like it's really insulting when people say, "No, no, no, it's such a long career." Long, <laughs> I, I have actually. I turn sixty next year, and I've been in this. I've been in this for a long, long time, and yeah. and. Uh, um, as you're saying, we've had uh, several proud moments, but some of the proudest moments have probably been when we have seen other breeders around the globe have success with our dogs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where you see that our dogs have actually have had an impact on the breed. Oh, yeah. uh, since we since we are breeders and we think like breeders, that is probably that's what we've been striving for to to work with our breed and, and to improve our breed and and that's been fantastic to see all the success around the globe. Mind you, we are only hobby breeders, so we are not commercial breeders. We mm-hmm. are not breeding dogs other than for um, for ourselves and and as as hobby breeders, it's, it's a passion and. And as I said to you earlier, our dogs live in the house, they sleep on the bed, and we, yeah. we normally don't keep more dogs and then uh, we can have a functioning uh, family life with these dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's something to be proud of as well. Well, um, this, is, this is what suits me. I have, of course, uh, dealt with kennel. Stephen had a, a big kennel of Afghans in, in, in Australia, and he even had imp- – you can imagine – bathing 20 afghans weekly you he had employees <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> so, i sometimes uh, think can i get him can i get somebody just to come and bath my people <laughs> i wouldn't I've mind really that either <laughs> yeah well i wouldn't mind that either even though i don't have any any dogs in in coat right now wait wait this is this is how we prefer to 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 have dogs dogs are a part of our life and and uh we don't want to be we don't want to sacrifice life because we have dogs, if you see. They're just part of our life. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I suppose for me, like I like mm-hmm. seeing my friends. I like having a glass of wine. I, you know, I like, you know, we have lives. Outside. I've got my children, so they, my course. dogs have to fit in around my life as well, don't of they? Of course. And, and Verity, I think it's important to have... Uh, that type of life as well, because you will you will view your uh, participation in the in the dog world in a much uh, healthier way. Yeah, it's not all consuming. Nope. No. So in this episode's breed focus, we're just going to have a little chat about the miniature poodle, my favourite. <laughs> the miniature poodle is such a versatile dog. So whether you enjoy having a long walk and a loyal companion, or whether you like your dog to work for you, the miniature poodle is really adaptable. Unlike their large German forefathers, 
who were water retrieving dogs and their tiny cousins who were really just bred as an accessory. The miniature poodle was bred to have the same working abilities as the standard poodle originally. And they were bred to sniff out truffles as well as being a lovely companion. Now, the French realised that using pigs meant that they lost a lot of their precious stock to the greedy pigs. But poodles with their keen noses, delicate feet and biddability made them the perfect truffle hunter's helper. They are known as the caniche in France. And I think I pronounced that right. Sorry if I didn't. And they became (laughs) and they became very popular as a pet as they swept through Europe in a blaze. And by the mid twentieth century, they were actually the most popular companion dog. So Anders miniature poodles. We know that they're very needy. Do you find Mm. them Velcro dogs? Like, what would you say to pet owners out there who are looking at owning one as you know as a pet or something? You know, maybe more to show, for instance. Well, I mean, I, the, the, the good thing about about the, the, the miniature poodles and poodles in general is that they are they're, they're such social animals. They love to be with the pack, around the pack, and they are they love to communicate. They um, they um, they're, they're great family dogs, so, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah. are great family dogs, and they are always in your face they love to be seen they love to talk to you they communicate the whole mm-hmm. time like a dog communicates and mm-hmm. and i also have to say that they are active dogs you must be pre- prepared to yeah. have a an active they need stimulation poodles are smart dogs which means that they don't lay on the sofa all day they need activation and if they don't get activation they will spice up your life. Trust me. Yeah, I totally agree <coughs> with that. I've climbed 11 peaks in the Lake District um, yes. my, in one day with my poodles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did, I did make my husband carry like a hiker's backpack. So if, I, you know, if any of them ever tired, we, just, we put them sure. at the top of the hiker's backpack. But yeah, they did sure. it. But they're really <laughs> active dogs. Oh, they are active dogs. And, and if they don't get the stimulation, if they don't get the right kind of, of guidance, they will start to do things in order to make them happen. They start to bark. They start to chew on things. They, they're very creative animals, which means that they will take over your, your uh, entire being, meaning that they will, um, <laughs> be, yeah. they will be very dominant and they will, they will make sure things are happening. I love that. That's such a great way of describing them. They are so creative. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. They are very creative. <laughs> and that's what I love about them. That's what I, I really love that about the breed. And I think that I see, obviously, you know, there's been a huge up, upsurge in cross poodle breeding. So cockapoos, mm. cavapoos, things like mm. that. Mm. And I think that the beauty of these dogs you know the nations fall in love with a cockapoo in england especially mm. it's such a it must be the most popular you know crossbreed that we have mm. Mm. and i think that a lot of the traits that i see in those dogs are quite poodly mm. and and i think that this is the beauty of the poodle the poodle's so misunderstood i mean there's such a love for the cockapoo but they're not understanding that actually this is this breed is actually quite poodly as well the poodle is a phenomenal fun energetic you know, they'll make you laugh every day. And, and we see this a lot in the crossbreeds, but I think the poodle gets a bad rap still from people about being a bit snappy and this, that and the other, which I don't find at all. 
Uh, well, well, of course, and 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 uh, I, I really don't want to promote uh, the cockapoos or any no, of them. No, no, but, no. But, <laughs> We're purists. But, but, <laughs> yeah, well, we are. Yes, we are. But I can also see how the poodle would, would go with the cocker because the cocker is also a very humorous, fun-loving dog, active dog, and and um, I just think that the poodle is suffering from a lot of prejudice. Yes, it does, hundred percent. Yeah, like, even and... even my husband's friends are like, "Oh gosh, can you walk those?" And my husband's like, "Of course I can." The, you know, <laughs> my husband loves the dogs. Of course he does. Yes. You know, you yes. know, he is. He is. I met. He's a spaniel. He had a spaniel when yeah. I met him. He is a dog sure. lover. Sure. And sure. obviously, we have just have poodles now. All the other dogs have sadly passed on. Um. Yeah, he absolutely. He loves the dogs. He loves. He loves nothing more than going to our local park and playing fetch with them and everything. You know, they throw the ball. He goes and gets it. That sort of scenario. Sure. sure. <laughs> but and, you, know, you know, he gets even now. All his guy friends, everything are so prejudiced towards the dog. There's so many assumptions. Are, like, yeah, they are normally extremely prejudiced in the beginning until they actually meet them and yeah. they realize, Jesus, I had no idea they were this nice and so friendly and so social. And yeah. I think that we as breeders uh, need to encourage our puppy buyers, do things with your dog, go to obedience, do agility, yeah. do whatever you want, be out there and, and be active with the dogs rather than create dogs mm-hmm. because as i said earlier the poodle is a create they need to have stimulation and if it, if, it, if it's aesthetics that's the problem you know a standard poodle in a german trim oh my gosh it's so masculine you know yes. so smart yes. there's, there's nothing yes. frou-frou about that no nothing at all they look so sporty they, mm. they look so athletic and and yeah absolutely yeah. i totally agree with that so you know just you know, they don't have to be a poodle in a continental or a Scandi. They can, you nope. know, nope. There's, there's, nope. a hair, there's a hairstyle to suit them all. Absolutely. <laughs> so now we're at the end of episode 15. I'm going to finish off by asking Anders my quick fire questions. I just want really quick, honest answers. No bull. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So your dog <laughs> food of choice. What's your dog food of choice? Oh, I have to be short here, I suppose. Um, we feed a lot of raw meat we buy raw meat at the butchers or Mm -hmm. in the shops here but Mm -hmm. our dogs eat only fresh raw meat but we also feed them a a base uh, a kibble from uh, a food company called core okay now what's your favorite place to walk uh, I walk around here because it's so beautiful. I love to walk them in the olive groves or uh, the uh, orange groves or in the mountains. Yeah. Um, but I also have to be careful because we have we have the processionary caterpillars in certain areas, oh, which are I actually you put a post up about this, didn't you? One. Mm, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. reading that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We almost we almost lost one of our miniature bits. Yeah, it was she bitten, was bitten, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <coughs> So you need to be careful certain certain times of the year. But apart from that, I, I, there are so many areas to walk in here. I'm, it's, it's beautiful. And when I lived in Sweden, I walked in the forest. So what's the number of dogs under your roof at the moment? We have always kept a low number of dogs, but currently we only have three miniatures in the house. And potentially one more on its way. 
If you were a dog, what breed of dog would you be? <laughs> uh, go on. Uh, are you, a, are you more of an Afghan guy or are you no, more of a needy no, food no, guy? No, 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 I am actually, I am, this sounds a bit biased, I think, but I'm mm-hmm. probably, I'm probably a poodle in a terrier clip with a very, very uh, sh- uh, short top knot and uh, a moustache. A very, very, very short top knot. It is shaved down, to be honest with you. It's just, it's just lost its full coat. It's been made into wigs. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Favourite uh, totally holiday? Cut, <laughs> cut down. Cut down. Your favourite <laughs> holiday destination? Um... <clears throat> Since Stephen is Australian, we have been to Australia many times, and we, mm-hmm. we uh, on our way back home, we normally make a stop in Singapore. I absolutely love Singapore. Uh, I love yeah. the I love I love the Sentosa Island, but I, I love Singapore. It's uh, it's a place, funny enough, where I feel at home. Wow, yeah, so it is, it's meant to be so beautiful and so clean. It is beautiful. It is beautiful, and the people are so lovely. Yeah. And uh, now we really like Singapore, but since we moved to Spain uh, and where we are now, uh, I don't really need to go to uh, any holidays anymore. I just love to stay at home. <laughs> if anything, you maybe need to go back to Sweden to enjoy some No, rain. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. What's your worst nightmare, dog free to own? What would it be? <clears throat> mm, well, I think the worst possible breed for me to own would be one of those Spanish Mastines. Oh, gosh, yeah. They are, they, okay. they are huge, mm-hmm. um, very lazy dogs, uh-huh. um, slow-moving dogs. No, they just don't appeal to me, uh, appeal to me at all, and they yeah. smell. Not yeah. Not yeah. No, not at <laughs> So that's a wrap. And I'm going to use the only Swedish word that I know, which is taxamuka or tak. That's a good. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. We would be absolutely delighted if you gave us a follow on Instagram. Anders can be found at Avatar Poodles or Facebook to follow his latest. Do you put on there when your workshops are and things like that? I do. Yes, I do. Fabulous. And thank you to everybody for listening. And don't forget to rate, share and subscribe to Pod on the Dog. A big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring this episode. If you fancy changing your dog to a natural and fuss-free way of feeding a raw diet, find out more by heading over to their website and applying the code VERITY15. That's a bye from us. Much love. Bye-bye. <laughs>